you. God, we, God wants us all to be brand new, and we're starting a new series today. I know, all kinds of surprises for you, Andrew, called The Ark. Can you say The Ark? And before I get into that, I do want to say that there's enough chili to feed an army, so if you don't have your dollars with you, you can do an IOU or, um, or anything else, because we are going to feed everyone who wants to eat. But if you, if you want to judge, though, you got to pay. Yep, just label it chili cook-off. Yep, awesome. Because there's a lot of food. You need something, Andrew? Oh, yeah. Well, we have a movie tonight for those who already got a ticket. Okay, awesome. <laughs> we're going to be hanging out and having some good time. <clears throat> but if we enjoy this, there's another movie that comes out that I really want to see that's coming out at the end of this month. We can maybe do it again. Um, about about the boomers back when they used to be hippies. So I definitely want to, uh, yeah, it's called Jesus Revolution. And it's about the Jesus movement in the 70s. And I just cannot wait to see that movie. So, yeah, we're starting a new series today called The Ark. So if you guys wouldn't mind, bow your heads with me. We're going to open in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Jesus. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for how good you are. God, I thank you for this church, this church family. God, I thank you for your grace. We are not perfect people. We are imperfect, but your grace, Jesus, makes a way. By faith, through grace, Lord Jesus, you make a way for us to have relationship with the Father. God, I pray for those today that are here that maybe are just checking it out or just seeing what's going on. God, I pray you would touch their hearts, that you would open their ears, that they would hear your word, that you would soften their hearts, they, they would receive your grace and your goodness. Jesus, I pray for those who, who've been coming every, every week, Lord God, those who have been in church since they can remember, that maybe need an extra touch from your presence today, God, that you would give it to them. God, I pray for those who aren't with us today that might be sick in their body or having personal things going on in their lives, Lord, I pray you would also minister to them. God, you are all-knowing, all-powerful, a wonderful God. And, Lord, we pray today that you would help us put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen, which means so be it. So I want to do a series this month just to kind of reiterate the reason why God has called us in this season to move forward with the intention of purchasing this land. And as you guys, some of you guys know, this all started back in March when we didn't know where we were going, what we were doing, anything like that. But God said, hey, it's time to start raising some funds um, for a place that you can call your own. This place we rent right now, um, but we are one church, two locations, and we own a place in South Toledo, and we felt like God is calling us to plant roots. Didn't know exactly how that was going to be, what that's going to look like. So we prayed about it, and God gave us the word ark and brought us back to Noah. And when Noah built an ark during that time, uh, the people had never saw rain before. And so when, he, when God asked him to step out in faith and start building an ark, he didn't really have, like, I'm sure he, he knew something, but to, to visualize exactly what was going to happen, a flood that was going to wipe out the world, and they were going to start all over with Noah and his wife and, the, and the, his three sons and their wife. I mean, just crazy. Like, you got to go back and read that account. It's just, it's just wild when you think about it. But yet this man stepped out 
in faith. I mean, the Bible said that the, that the world was so evil before God sent that flood that it actually grieved God. And a lot of people, especially today, because we have, like, we don't really understand. Genesis is a very complicated book to understand. I'm going through a Torah class right now, and it's very complicated to, to understand. But a lot of times we'll, we'll take that account and we'll say, oh, God was so mean in the Old Testament. But the Bible actually said that he was grieved by the sin. He was grieved by the sin, and that is why he acted. And so to know that the Bible still talks about the New Testament, how we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And so um, we, we came to this thought, okay, what can we do? What, what can set us apart? There's lots of churches out there. Why does God want us to be here in this area? How can we have an ark? And, you know, I love me some acrostics. And so I was thinking about the word ark, and I'm not a very good speller, so three words work for me really well, three little letters. And I thought of the three Greek letter, names that I know by heart, agape love, rhema word, and koinonia fellowship. That's what we want to cultivate in this place. Agape love is that unconditional love that you can walk in and feel not judged, but feel loved, feel cared for. You could be here forever, have messed up, and still feel loved and cared for. That's what we want, right? Rhema word. We want to be a church that preaches the truth of the word of God, and not just the truth of the word of God, but the right now truth of the word of God, something we can understand, something we can apply, something that can speak to our lives, something that makes sense to us that we could walk away and say, man, this, this makes sense to us. We can apply this to our life. And then Koinonia Fellowship, this is a part that I feel like is a part of, of our church that needs to grow the most in. Koinonia Fellowship means um, that friendship, it's more, it's a friendship, it's a, it's a deepness, it's a closeness together, and this is everybody doing their part, making friends, and getting to know the people that sit in the pew with you or uh, in front of you or behind you, because um, we don't always get to know each other anymore. Today, it's so important, and so, so I'm thinking about this arc, and and. I start praying about, okay, how am I going to start this series? And I'm thinking, I'm going to talk about Noah. And God's like, I want you to talk about the smaller ark. I'm like, the smaller ark. Okay. And he dropped this, this phrase in my mind, the significance of small. Can you say that? The significance of small. Now, the Hebrew word for ark was only used two times. In the Bible, a lot of times people will be like, oh, it's the ark. And then you think of an hour word that time in the Old Testament. I'm going deep on you guys for a second. I'm going to bring you back. Where, where the word ark was used, and you think, oh, the ark of the covenant. But that's two different Hebrew words. There's only one other time the word ark that was used for Noah was used again. And that's with Moses' basket. Noah's boat and Moses' basket are from the same Hebrew word. Do you have that up there? Tava. I love that. <laughs> Same Hebrew word. It's so interesting because it refers to an enormous boat and a small cradle with a vulnerable but priceless and precious baby that was laid in it. Both sent on water, the ark, Tava. And today we're going to go to and learn the we're going to learn some lessons on what, what it means to be significant yet small. Because in the American church, if we, we have in our mindset, they're studying it now, they call it the McDonaldization of the church. <laughs> 
yeah, I, I read uh, a professor who has his doc, uh, is a doctor in theology, and he wrote a book called The McDonaldization of the Church. And you laugh because you could be like, okay. And what, that, what, what he talks about in his book is that the church has become very consumer mindset. We go to church, and it's, what can the church do for me? What programs does the church have for me? What, you know, how can, it, how can the church help me? And at the same time as the McDonaldization of the church that's going on, there's another little um, thing that's going on in culture that you probably have heard of, if you're, especially if you work in any kind of industry, any kind of business, and it's called silent quitting. Have you ever heard of that? So silent quitting is when um, people who, who come to work do their bare minimum and sometimes it's because there's a, to- a toxic work culture, and I'm not saying that there's things that don't need to be fixed. You know, when we think of right now what's going on in our educational system and how teachers are quitting left and right, like, would you want to get paid that and put up with that? Probably not. You know what I mean? So there's things that need to be fixed. I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize the problems that are out there. But I'm trying to bring this into how does this relate to the church. So we have the McDonaldization of the church, meaning that the, ch- the church has become very consumer-focused, That meaning the people of the church go to church thinking, what can the church do for me? And then we also have, at the same time, silent quitting. And right now, there's more people that are leaving the American church than ever before. They're saying that the Christian faith is dying in our country. It's already been post-Christian in Europe and, and, and some, some other countries. And now here in America, for the first time ever, we're seeing the uh, diminish of the church and the decline of the church. And what can we do about this? And the Lord said, do not underestimate the significance of small. Because for so long, we've been taught bigger is better. And yet people are more depressed, more discouraged, have more mental health uh, illness than ever before, and we think bigger is better. And we lose the significance. We, in our quest for success, we lose significance. And so what can we learn from the small tava, the small, mo, the small ark, Moses' basket? Well, one, we need to understand The purpose of rescue. Say rescue. Large and small ark had the same purpose. Noah's boat, Moses' basket had the same purpose, and that is to rescue. Say to rescue. The basket, uh, symbolic of the ark, which carried Noah and his family to safety when God destroyed the wickedness from the face of the earth, the basket was symbolic of that, and it carried Moses. You can see similarities between the ark that carried the remains of humanity that were worth saving along with the bare essentials of the reestablishment of the animal kingdom, right, to that of Moses who was a savior figure of the Old Testament that really was a prelude still to the ultimate savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The ark of Noah and the basket of Moses both point to salvation in Jesus Christ. Noah and Moses were made secure in the ark just as we are made safe through Jesus who went down to the depth for our salvation. This is what I love about the Bible. When you really begin to read it and continue to read it, you begin to see echoes. You begin to see patterns. You begin to see things that seem like it repeats itself but in different ways. And this is to show us that if God did it before, he can do it again. 
If God saved the world through Noah and his boat and then again through a baby in a basket and then again through Jesus Christ, the ultimate salvation that really covered what the, the basket and what the boat could not, God can do it again just because our country looks like it's at the, it, 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 the, our faith is dying in this country doesn't mean that God can't do it again. But we lose the importance and the significance of small. So instead of thinking maybe this conversation I had with someone in my workplace can lead to their salvation, their rescue, we want to leave it to the professionals. And we're missing it. <laughs> we're missing it. We've got to see these echoes, these similarities, and our mind should jump back and forth to say, how can this apply to my life? Well, do you understand the purpose of God in your life? What kind of tava is God working in you? How is he going to use you as an instrument to help rescue other people? When I, when I first got saved at, uh, and really on fire for God at the age of 19, my church had a, uh, had a um, mission statement that was a little radical at the time, and it was make it hard to go to hell from Toledo, Ohio. I'm actually writing, the only person in my, my one class, my theology class, I'm writing a, a paper on hell and how it's not preached in the American church anymore. We don't talk about hell. Matter of fact, a lot of even American Christians don't even believe in hell. And I've, I haven't barely even started it, but when I do, guys, don't worry, we're going to have to have, come up with a series through this one. But I'm like, it's just mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing because I'm in class, and I remember I know I look like I'm not a day older than 32, but <laughs> uh, don't okay me, Bob. <laughs> I'm in class with a bunch of 22-year-olds, and it's so interesting to see the generational gaps. That And then my professor is like retired pastor who's in his 70s, so it's just so interesting. We got him in his 70s, me in my 40s, and, and uh, uh, some 19 to 22 year olds and it's interesting to see the generational gaps and things that have been missing in the teaching the practical teaching because I've been a pastor for 20 years and there's things that that have been emphasized you know in the 90s that we've lost in the early 2000s that we've lost in in the 2010s that and and, and we need it all how can we make it hard to go to hell from Toledo Ohio from Waterville Ohio from White House Ohio from Monclova Ohio how we need to realize the importance of rescue. Sometimes God will use a big giant boat, and sometimes God will use a little tiny basket. You matter. Your influence matters. You have a purpose. Do you understand your purpose in helping us here at Waterville build this ark? Have you prayed and asked the Lord, what can you do to make a difference? I'm going to encourage you in this next month, ask the Lord, what can you do? What can you do? How can you use your talents to make a difference, to raise money? To Because really it is a miracle, and, and it's so interesting to me how many times God uses few in the Bible to matter. But I'm going to, I'm going to save that for the last point. All right, moving on. So another lesson from Moses' basket here is the unlikely hidden heroes in the rescue. Oh, I'm like, I saw this. This is a sermon in itself. I was like, how am I going to put all this in? One little 30-something minute message because these people are going to be hungry. The chili smells good. How can I do it? Well, I'm going to just try to whet your spiritual appetite here because this is very interesting. Do you know that actually from, from Exodus chapter 1 to Exodus chapter 4, God actually used 
six women to help save Moses. It's for my ladies in the house for a minute. Okay, six women to save Moses. But we're only going to talk about five of them today because we're not going all the way to chapter four. We're going to just talk about the five women that God used to save Moses when he was a baby. Unlikely, hidden heroes. We want rescue. That's what the ark is for. If we want rescue, we need to realize that God can use unlikely people. He can use children. He can use women. He can use people who feel like I've already done everything. It's retired. I have nothing left to give. He can use teenagers, unlikely people. So the first ones were the Egyptian midwives. Exodus 1, 15 through 21, I'm going to read this because I think it's very important here. It says, then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named, oh, I practiced this, y'all. I did, and then I see it, Sifra, and the other, I know this one, Pua, that's her name. I'm like, Pua, it's from the south side. Okay, Sifra, and the other is Pua. Yep. When, you're, when you serve as midwives, to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool. If it's a son, you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, she shall live. Mm. Sounds like kind of the time of Jesus, too. A great cry in Bethlehem. Rachel weeping for her children. Herod did the same, tried to do the same thing. Verse 17. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. But they let the male children live. So the king called the Egypt, uh, Egypt, the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous. And they give birth before the midwives come to them. So God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Unlikely heroes. Sifra, Pua, my girl, Pua. Unlikely heroes who were courageous, who defied authority to, to save, to rescue These midwives jeopardized their own safety to protect and to save the life of Moses and other young Hebrew baby boys. They feared God more than they feared authority. It reminds me in the book of Acts. Find those patterns. The book of Acts, when when the apostle Peter and his friends said, who shall we obey, God or man, when when, when the authorities told them to no longer preach the gospel? We're going to obey God and not man. We need people who are going to be unafraid and unashamed to still share the truth of Jesus Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there's salvation that's found in his name. If God can use Sifra and Pua to thwart the enemy's plans, he can certainly use you. Amen? Moving on to the third lady. Well, Unlikely hero, Moses' mom. (laughs) Moses' mom. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. That's found in the New Testament, Hebrews 11, 23. Moses' mother 
Jochebed discerned that there was something special about her infant son, so she protected him by hiding him for three months from the Egyptian authorities. When she could no longer hide him at her home, she made a waterproof basket, tava, a little ark, a small ark made of reeds, and she entrusted her son to God's care. She was fearless in her efforts to keep her baby boy safe. See, she saw the significance of a small ark. Do you? Do you see the significance of God using little, few, small, what what the world would say insignificant to do mighty, great, amazing things? I hope so, because that's what God wants to do here. He wants to use unlikely heroes. Another unlikely hero was Pharaoh's daughter. (laughs) It's amazing how God used even Egyptians for the salvation of his people, which led to the birth of the Messiah who came and brought salvation to all people. God's will is that no one should perish, but that all come to know him. Pharaoh's daughter found the baby in the Nile, felt sorry for him, even though she realized he was a Hebrew. She rescued him, offered him protection, and later adopted him. We can assume that the princess would have encountered considerable difficulties in persuading other members of the Egyptian royal family to accept her Hebrew child as an adopted son. And yet she was successful. And Moses was raised in the Egyptian royal palace. And he received excellent education and, he, and privilege. The book of Acts talks about that. And yet Moses still had a, a, a heart for his own people. And so what happens here is that God shows us how he can use unlikely people to build something significant. That's what Pharaoh's daughter did. And then finally, we're going to talk about Miriam. Miriam's my favorite, probably Old Testament lady. Um, I love Miriam. Really, it was Aaron, or it was Moses, Aaron, and Miriam who, who led the, the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt through the Red Sea and to the promised land get them to the place where they could enter the promised land. Moses' older sister, Miriam, had been standing by the banks of the Nile watching her baby brother. Her mother sent her along to watch the little ark, the baby basket, carry Moses and make sure he was safe. She was so brave and so courageous that she approached Pharaoh's daughter and said, hey, I know somebody, wink, wink, who could (laughs) help feed this baby. And Pharaoh's daughter found such favor in Miriam and this baby that Moses was actually breastfed by his own mother underneath the protection of the Egyptian royal court. Come on, somebody. Because a young girl, a young girl, you see this unlikely hero? This was a girl. A young girl who stepped out in faith to be courageous. We have no room for excuses not to do our part in helping with the rescue and helping make it hard to go to hell in Waterville, White House, Monclova, Monclova, <laughs> Toledo, Ohio. Are you willing to be brave and to help God build his church, his ark here in Waterville? 
Another lesson we can learn about Moses' basket, not only was it unlikely heroes that he used to do an awesome thing, not only was it understanding that the purpose was rescue, but it was uh, uh, something we can learn from this account is to not underestimate, say underestimate, underestimate the significance of small. Now, I've been talking about this. I've been trying to weave this theme all the way through this message because it's so important for us to realize there is significance in small. Zechariah says it this way. I love this verse. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Don't name your child that if you want them to be dedicated at this church because I'm not going to be able to say it. But this is the thing, though, friends. <laughs> How, how easy is it for us to despise the days of small beginnings? How, it, how, e, how e easy is it for us to despise even our own worth? Because maybe we don't make as much as our parents did. Or maybe, maybe our family is not doing as well as we had thought. Our marriage is struggling. Maybe, maybe it's we are, we're, we're just not doing as well as we thought. And so we don't see the value of what God is doing. We focus on the negative instead of seeing God move through small acts of kindness, through small graces that are in our life every day. We don't take notice and take account and stop and say, thank you, Jesus. The sun came out, it's cold, but hello, Toledo gets one extra day of sunshine than in any other city in Ohio. Do you know that? We better thank them. I want that extra 24 hours, somebody. <laughs> Thank them that you still have breath in your lungs. My friend who Josh and I, was in Josh and I's wedding, who we were young adults and went street witnessing with, and I just came across, I don't know if you saw this, babe, I posted it on my Facebook. I just came across this video of him and I doing some street witnessing eight years ago in South Toledo. It was a blizzard, but that would not step, stop Jeff Jones. He had free coffee, free hot cocoa, and light bulbs. I mean, you know, I don't know where the light bulbs came in, but we had light bulbs. The really, con the really cool. So we went in a blizzard. <laughs> I mean, it was. I had boots on. It was like snow, blizzard, knocking door to door down South Street in the south end of Toledo, praying with people. <laughs> this man's in the glory right now. He, he passed away from a sudden heart attack at 40 years old. You don't know when you're going to breathe your last breath. Today is the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. Today is the day you can make it right with God. Today is the day you can make it right with people that you're offended or hurt or bitter towards. Today is the day. All we have is right now, today, to do something. John Maxwell says that we overestimate today and underestimate what, or that we overestimate what we can do in a lifetime and underestimate what we can do today. Oh, I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get to it next month. But we underestimate the power of today. We underestimate the power of small steps of obedience. Yesterday we had a training with our board, and we were talking about how in a year we need to raise $100,000 as a church. That's like, wow, that's huge, right? 
And I'm like, I can't think of it as in a year we need to raise $100,000 as a church. A little less than that now. I think it's like 98. But still, I can't think of it like that because that gets overwhelming to me. But when I think of it, that's only 98 people saying yes to give $1,000. That's only 50 people saying yes to $2,000. Right? God can do it. If he can help me learn how to do math a little bit, he can, he can do it. <laughs> he can do it because he is a big God who cares about the small things. Right? The Bible says, why worry about tomorrow? Today is all you have. <laughs> Today has enough worries. And, he, and then he says he takes care of the birds of the air, and, the, and he takes care of all these small things. And if he cares for the sparrow, how much more does he care for you? The Bible says, that the faith of the size of a mustard seed, do you know how small a mustard seed is? Tiny, tiny. So the, the faith of the size of a mustard seed will move mountains. In the book of Genesis, when he spoke to the woman after they, they fell and they sinned, he said, by your seed, which if you know anything about biology, women don't have seeds, but it was prophetic because Mary actually hosted Jesus in her womb miraculously as a virgin birth, and it was by the seed. That seed actually meant DNA. The word seed there, the DNA. By your DNA, <laughs> by your seed, we will cross Satan under your feet. <laughs> Come on, somebody. It was small things. God could have sent Jesus in a spaceship to land on earth like Superman, but instead he used a poor teenage girl named Mary who said, it is well with my soul. Do unto me as you, your word says. Significance in small, small steps of obedience. What can you do today to make a difference in someone's life? We have it so backwards in American church. Show me this last picture. We're almost done here. Modern day discipleship says this. Attend church. Connect. Serve and then go. Jesus' discipleship strategy is a lot different. Pour into three and then into 12 and then into 70 and then that 70 into 500. Who are you pouring into? Who are your three people that you're pouring into? And if three seems too much, guess what? God loves you enough to make it one. Who is the one person you're pouring into? Who is the one person that you're caring about? I was praying about this future of our church, and God took me back to when we started the South Toledo campus in this huge church. That was Tava the Ark. That building is how many feet? 30,000 feet. It's three levels. I remember when I first went there, I would get lost trying to walk in it. It was 20 of us. <laughs> and instead of starting service right away, we started on Saturday nights, and then we started on Sunday mornings, and we said we're going to take the first month to just pray. On Sunday mornings, we didn't have church, church. And I remember we were in an old-fashioned prayer circle. I love those things. Old-fashioned prayer circle. I had my friends do a prayer circle with me not too long ago. And we held hands, and we were praying. And here came Francis into the building. Francis, I did not know was going to be a part of our church. He was part of a different um, church, a uh, part of the church that planted us. And I did not know he was going to stay with us and help us restart. And I got so excited to see Francis walk in that door. Like, my heart was just like, Francis is with us. We can win the world. I don't know why, but I was so excited that Francis was coming. 
And the Lord said, will you leave the 99 and go after the one? Would you be willing to do that? And I said, God, I'm willing. I'm willing to leave the 99 and go after the one. Because a good shepherd is willing to leave 99 good sheep to go after the one missing one. This is Jesus' discipleship. There's a lot. This is still a new work. This is still a very new work, what we're doing here. This church is not very old. We're, we're, we're babies still. It's a very new work, and there's still a lot to be done. I really believe that we need to have micro groups, smaller small groups, where we meet together and get to know one another and love one another. I thank you, Bessie, because you've been doing that faithfully on Saturdays with different groups of people. I thank you, Chris, who didn't wait till you were here for a year to already start doing something with young adults. And I just heard about it through the grapevine. I said, I'm going to come crash your party some Monday, Chris. <laughs> He's like, come on. But this is what micro groups, smaller groups, and I want us to get this Together, where we're not overly organized, but we have a better plan and how we can invite more people to, to get to know one another and really, you know, help build some small groups and some connections and some community because there's a power in one, three, 12. We want to reach Waterville. We want to change this community. We got to start with one, three, and 12, friends. There's significance in small, not only in how we reach people, but in what we give. Do you know it was a little boy that Andrew found who was faithful that had a few fish and a few little pieces of bread that multiplied and fed multitudes? Look at your little and know it's enough with God. Would you stand to your feet with me today? John, do you mind coming and playing keys or guitar or something fun? <laughs> Take it. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I don't want to end today without asking if there's anyone here who's never made a confession of faith to ask Jesus Christ to come live in their heart that believes that Jesus is Savior and Lord that wants to ask Jesus to forgive them for their sins if that's you in this place today would you just raise your hand before the Lord I'm not going to make you get up and do a turn and embarrass yourself but this is between you and God if that's you in this, in this house today if you're like you know I've never actually prayed and asked Jesus to forgive me for my sins I've never made that step. You can go ahead and raise your hand. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I also feel like there's some people in here today that have underestimated their worth and their value to God. Today you felt like a little something stirring you that God actually might love you. And I'm here to tell you, friends, he does. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand before the Lord? Raise your hand before the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And there are some people here today that God might be asking them to make a, a step of faith, a step of obedience that means action, that you're going to do something. You don't know exactly what that is, but you're saying, okay, I'm willing. I'm willing to start something. I'm, I'm willing to talk to somebody about Jesus. I'm willing to give financially that I've never given before. I'm willing to volunteer. I'm willing to get involved, to make that step to get involved. If that's you, would you just raise your hand before the Lord? 
Raise your hand before Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord Jesus. First, Lord, we just pray for those who have not made that confession of faith. Let's just repeat this. If you're in this place today, repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose on the third day. I ask Jesus to forgive me for my sin. I like to pause right here. And if there's something that's coming to your mind, maybe a sin that's been hard for you to get over, maybe something you've struggled with, and no one needs to explain that to you. You know you felt conviction in your heart for things that you've done. Why don't you just ask him to forgive you? Forgive me for lying, Lord. Forgive me for my lust, Lord. Forgive me for my anger, whatever it is. Jesus. And I'll say this, Jesus, come live in my heart. Change me. Make me like you. Amen. And I want to pray this too. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your people in here. God, I pray every single person would feel loved, that they would feel significant, that they would feel seen because you see them and you love them and you care for them. God, I pray that you would wipe away their tears, Lord Jesus, that they would find new hope and new joy in you. God, I pray for those who rose their hand today that said, I feel led to do something. I just don't know exactly what that is. God, show them their next steps. Show them little steps of obedience. They, they make a big ripple effect. God, those who've been moving on their heart to maybe give financially, maybe to volunteer, maybe to step out and share Jesus with somebody. God, help them do that. Help them know that they can make a difference by their obedience. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen and amen.